And I think that we can, we can try, and, I know for me at least, I tried to grasp these things intellectually, yeah. and yet it, it, it hadn't transferred into life. And, and I began to have the language, but not the life. Mm. And there was a gap between my exposition and my experience. Right. And for me, th there was a moment of truth that came where I had to act on it instead of studying it more and even telling others more, I needed to appropriate it myself. Mm. Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. I'm Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Uh, today, we are going to have a conversation with Peter Reed. Peter is the uh, he's the director at Bodensehof in Germany and also the general director of Torchbearers. He's here at His Hill this week for um, the Thanksgiving conference. He's one of our speakers, and he was gracious enough uh, to take some time out. This is actually, we're recording this on Thanksgiving Day. We've just finished the Thanksgiving uh, dinner, and now we are, he's going to give us some time, and he's he's speaking tonight. So I, I really appreciate it, uh, just uh, him allowing me to abuse him like this. Anyway, Peter, welcome here. It's good to have you. Well, thank you, Kelly. So, uh, let's see, did you just fly in for this? <laughs> no, this is part of a longer trip that started in Costa Rica, then in Colorado, Canada, and now I'm here. Okay, well, yeah. good, yeah. And you are here with your wife, Gabby. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I'm yep. glad you guys get to travel together. That's yeah. really, that's a blessing. Um, uh, Peter, now, how long have you been the general director? Oh, this is in, I'm in my fifth year. Oh, is it? It's been that long. That's okay, right. Yeah. Okay. Five years now. And uh, for those that don't know the, the history of Torchbearers or how it's set up, uh, the general director oversees the, the whole ministry and uh, shepherds or guides the, the ministry along. And, and Peter is the third, Major Thomas being the first, Chris mm -hmm. Thomas, and now, now Peter is the general director. And I've seen Peter around for years. We've been to staff conferences together. And, and really only in the last, I would say, maybe 10 years have we actually kind of got to yeah. recognize each other and, and, yeah. and, and feel comfortable talking with each other. But um, anyway, I just really appreciate you, you giving me this time. And I thought it would be neat for our alumni as well as others that are listening to just hear from you uh, to get a feel for, you know, the, the man that God's put in this position and, and, you know, his heart for the Lord and just what, what the Lord has done in your life. So mm. if you're okay with it, I'd like for you to just, um, just, just share with us, you know, how, how did you come to know Jesus and, um, and, and you know, what, what are some things that he's worked in your heart and, and, and what's he doing in your life now? Wow. That's a, that's a great invitation. <laughs> um, Kelly, I didn't come from a family that, that had a rich Christian heritage. Uh, our, our family growing up as a kid, I have vague memories of going to church on Christmas, maybe Easter, but that was about it. Um, my parents were divorced in the, in the 60s. I was around five or six years old. And mm. really, you know, at that time, the, the divorce rate in this country was much lower than now. Right. And I know that my mom said years later, she'd go to the supermarket and just feel like she had a D printed on mm. her forehead. And was a single mom with uh, four kids at home. Wow. And for years, mom had a hunger in her heart for the Lord that nobody would have ever imagined. And it was 
at the point of the divorce that really she really began to cry out for God. Mm. And um, some, sometimes God gives us a, a hard life to give us a soft heart, and that's mm. what happened. And this very kind lady across the street came over to treat my mom. I think mom needed cortisone shots in her back, something like that. And, and this lady knew Jesus, and she left my mom with a tract, just a simple Bible pamphlet explaining the gospel. Okay. And to be honest with you, I, you know, sometimes I can smile inside and say, well, what, what use is a track? And then, and then, you know, I heard mom tell me this and she said she was so hungry for God that she laid that track open on her bed and she read it over and oh, over. Wow. And God began to answer that hunger. She got remarried to my stepfather and, uh, you know, as a, as a single mom with four kids, I can understand that now. And uh, it was during that time that she realized, you know, the second marriage wasn't necessarily the answer. And in the, in the goodness of God, she met some, some women in my neighborhood who then kind of took her under her wing. And, I, you know, I remember going to a Billy Graham crusade at the St. Paul Fairgrounds okay. in, in Minnesota. All right. And that's where mom received Christ. Oh, wow. And uh, it was soon thereafter that my stepfather did. It was both their second marriage. Mm. And um, then a family friend who lived down the street from us had received Christ at Forest Home. It's a conference center out in California. Okay. Uh, he was in his 40s already. And he began to dra- drive out there every summer from Minnesota. And then he, he kind of came to the conclusion this is this is uh, a long trip every summer so let's do this in the midwest so he started a family camp and uh rented a property on lake geneva wisconsin got uh forest home staff to come and he invited my family because he saw all of this happening uh lived in the same street as as i did i went to school with his daughters and he invited my family and uh i was placed in the middle school program and I remember, I understood camp. I didn't understand Christian. And I did know that mom and dad were going to be somewhere else at camp and I was going to be in my own program. And that was fine with me. <laughs> and, and I remember, you know, the leader, you know, he, he'd give a Bible study every morning and every evening. And intellectually, I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. But deep in my heart, I, 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 I began to realize this is the truth. And they have something that I don't. Hmm. And I became hungrier. And how old were you? I was 13. Okay. You know, and, um, uh, it it was fun week. It was a great program, but still this, this sense in my heart said, they have got something that's so attractive. I want whatever they have. And on Thursday night, he stood up, talked about, you know, his relationship with the Lord. And when he said he had a personal relationship with Jesus, I said, that's what's missing. Hmm. And so I, you know, he invited us to stay behind those who were interested in hearing more about Christ and receiving him. I sat next to a staff member and uh, for the first time in my life, I heard these words, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And in a very simple prayer, I I asked the Lord Jesus to take me, and I wanted him to come into my life, and he did. Mm. There was no vision. I didn't hear a voice, uh, but there was this deep, unspeakable joy in my heart. And now I know what happened, because in Romans eight sixteen it says, the Spirit of God will witness to our spirit that we're children of yeah. God. And that's what happened. Yeah. 
And, and, and a couple of things happened. I, we drove home and I told my parents, I, I became a Christian. And the second thing I said, would you buy me a Bible? Hmm. And that was remarkable for a little kid of 13 to want that. But that was just an indication that the Lord had begun changing my heart. My sister Heidi stayed at that same campfire. I didn't find that out till decades later. Hmm, really? Yeah. And then her, her sister Lori, they're twins, uh, of course she's my sister, uh, yeah. asked my mom what happened to Heidi. And mom told her, and Lori received Christ, and my brother, who's three years older, he received Christ. In a very short period of time, really my whole family was saved. It was wow. a wonderful thing. And wow. the older I get, the more I just am astounded at that. Well, that's, that, wow, that's, that's quite the story. I mean, that must have been quite, quite the moment, you know, and, and for, for the whole family to yeah. come. And uh, that's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. So you were 13 when you came to know Christ. Yes. And uh, w- what was it, what was it like? Was there a church that you plugged into or, or what was the, what was the believing community that you had? It, well, we had basically none. Oh, really? <laughs> but, but neighbors told us about, okay. you know, a good church. It was Wooddale Baptist in Richfield. Okay. And so they took us to church and that became home for us as long as I was at home through high school. Okay. And, and it, yeah, it was great. Okay. Well, what were the, what were your, your older teenage years like? Um, I wish I could tell you they were lived in a straight line. They weren't, mm-hmm. uh, because in my heart of hearts, I am, have a very fierce, independent spirit. And, um, you know, while I was in my senior year, I actually moved out of my parents' house to move in with my dad and my stepmother, thinking that they would offer me more freedom. I'm sure that was very hard on, on mom and my stepfather. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it took all of six months to come to the end of my rope. And uh, Jesus ruined my, what, what shallow enjoyment there was of sin. And, and I just realized, you know, you can run away from the church, your parents, your friends, but when, when Jesus lives within you, he won't leave you mm. and you can't run away from him. And then I came back in March of my senior year, stood at my parents' doorstep and I said, can I come back? And they said, of course you can. Okay. You're our beloved son. So you're, you're back home. You uh, finished high school there. Yeah. Uh, did you go to college? Well, I did uh, eventually, but you know, Kelly, the amazing thing is that while I was out sowing my wild oats, I, you know, during those six months that I was away, family friends took my parents to um, a church in the area where there were a couple of torchbearers presenting the ministry. Okay. And so my parents heard about that while I was away and they came, I came back home and I was already you know, accepted to two colleges that I wanted to go to. And then they said, well, you know, you, that's fine. That's your choice. Uh, if, if you want to go to this Bible school that we've heard about, we would support you to do it. Just oh. take a year off before you go to college. And honestly, you know, I, I didn't, I really didn't have an idea of what Bible school would be like. I think I had rather strange ideas about people who would go to a Bible school. Okay. But my parents were wise enough to know this guy needs a new start. And they uh, recommended the school in Germany where my on mom's side, her maiden name is Kraut. So okay. she, her side is German. And they recommended that. Okay. And, uh, now, which school? Was this Boltonsdorf? Boltonsdorf. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, okay. yeah. So I went to Boltonsdorf. Okay. Yeah, didn't know a soul who was going uh, but, oh man, it was, 
aside from the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm serving in torchbearers right now, it was foundational. I tell people it was like being born again again. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I, we used to have a camp director years ago when I first came on staff here that would tell people, you know, what is the ministry of torchbearers? And he said, well, it's, it's a ministry whereby we re, re we reintroduce Christians to Christ. Yeah. And, uh, um, okay. So you, you went to, went to Bolton Seahoff, uh, for the whole year. That's correct. Okay. Um, did you, now you speak German, that's correct. Okay, yeah. and I'm just I've been curious about this. <laughs> did you did you go uh, so I would guess not as a student, but as a as a staff person, did you go being able to speak German or did you go and then learn German? <laughs> I went and then learned. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you were actually on staff and learning German. That's correct. Uh, yeah. But now just for people to to know that you you preach and and teach in German as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's amazing to me. I just <laughs> I, I can't believe that. Um Okay, so uh, after Bolton Seehoff, you um, then what? Well, I went to college, uh, and um, you know, I studied history, social science, thinking that I would be a teacher, maybe a coach on top of that. But in my heart of hearts, I just I wanted to serve the Lord. I fell in love with the study of God's Word, but for me, I just I didn't want to push the issue of going into the ministry in, unless I knew I was called. Mm. And so that's why I studied what I did. But having said that, you know, I was involved in church and camp and, and uh, you know, benefited greatly from the reminders that I got mm. from torchbearer uh, teachers that I had in Bible school. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Were you uh, were you able to stay in touch with those teachers? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, I value that more now than ever before. Mm. Yeah. There were yeah. a couple of them that per- took a personal interest in me. One being the director at Bodensdorf. Oh yeah. Uh, Charlie Moore, and then yeah. people like Charles Price, and right. and some of the other ones, some of the old saints that you and I value so much, yeah. John Hunter, and yeah. and a few of them. Uh, it was just yeah. John. I was so hungry for 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 Christ. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, when I first came to his hill. Uh, it was for a for the Thanksgiving conference, actually. Wow. And uh, I was in high school. The youth pastor was bringing us up here to check this place out. <laughs> and uh, I wasn't really interested uh, yeah. because the, the camp we were going to was a, a really nice, plush place, you know, air conditioned, <laughs> carpet floors, you know, a real gym, uh, Coke for breakfast if you wanted it. Oh, my and, goodness. You know, and I wanted it, so I had it. <laughs> and, but, you know, okay, we'll go check the place out. I had met Major Thomas, and I and and even as a teenager, I knew there was something to what he was saying that yeah. I didn't understand. Yeah. And but uh, I really didn't have any idea, any interest to come to the middle of Texas for summer in a cabin that didn't have air condition when we had what we had. But uh, coming up here, uh, I um, uh, Charles Price was speaking. Yeah, and um, you know that was. I was so appreciative of that and that he had time to sit and talk with me without me even asking, you know, just sitting down and talking and, yeah. uh, the, uh, the clarity, you know, that, yeah. that, that he has in presenting Christ. Yes. And, uh, you, you know, I really appreciated that you talked about John Hunter, you know, I, you know, for this, we have Jesus, Yes. you know, uh, yep. you know, that you know, the, the influence that he's had on so many torchbearers is, yeah. you know, we're just so thankful for it. And of course, major Thomas, Yes. you know, uh, 
you know, major, you know, he was always so just, he was a wordsmith for one thing. Yes. And, and, and then when, when he would preach, uh, you know, the, the clarity that was there yeah. was, you know, you know, I'm just so thankful. You, you were mentioning today as you were speaking in the conference of, of, uh, you know, talking about torchbearers and those that have gone on ahead of us. Yeah. And, you know, right away that, you know, those, those thoughts come to my mind and how thankful I am, you know, on the day, you know, that we, you know, we, celebrate Thanksgiving, how thankful I am for what, for God's faithfulness in those men. Yes. But also to see that, like you were saying, it wasn't the men, you know, it, it's really God's faithfulness yeah. and, and it's his life, his activity that continues on. Yes. Uh, you know, even, you know, now, you know, we have a new general director, uh, his work continues on. Yeah. Um, you know, I stepped down from a full-time position here and it didn't, there was no hiccup, you know, it's yeah. the ministry keeps going. He's faithful and you know, what a good God, Yes. you know, and, and, um, you know, so, and, and I was even thinking, you know, Arlene and I were talking about it along with one of my daughters, um, though I've known you for years and have never had the opportunity to hear you preach. Yeah. And so this week has been my first time. Yeah. And I remember in your first message that I was listening to, I was sitting there thinking, this is like listening to Major Thomas, but this is not Major Thomas. Mm. And it's not the same delivery. You're not trying to imitate him, mm. but the clarity is there. The message is there. And you, and you realize because Christ is there. Yes. And, you know, I just, I want to, you know, for anybody that's listening to to understand that your your hope your certainty hmm. is is the rock hmm. is Christ and and he is faithful no matter what you're going through he doesn't change hmm. he's very much aware and he has he has proven himself time and time again hmm. um, and so just you know uh, you know we want to encourage you to be fixed on Jesus mm. and, and, and to, to wait on him, to, to run with him mm-hmm. and, 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 and let him, let him work in your heart and whatever it is you're going through. Anyway, um, how about, um, how did you end up getting involved in torchbearers? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. You know, when I was at Bodensioff, looking back over my shoulder, seeds were sown that very year when that I was at Bible school for those six months. Mm. That now I recognize it was just the Lord working in my heart. Uh, I, uh, I I grew to love Germany. I grew to love Bodensioff. Uh, a lot of firsts, first time I ever really opened my mouth and testified at that time in my life of Christ. First time I saw people come to the Lord. First time I enjoyed studying, and it was the Bible. And and the main thing was that, uh, like you said, I listened to Major Thomas preach intellectually. I couldn't really grasp what he was saying, but the Spirit of God made clear mm-hmm. to me that's the truth. Yeah. And it sent me on a wild goose chase. What is it? Mm. <laughs> and then... You know, th- after I left Bodensioff, the director uh, would write me a letter one time a year just to see how I was doing. And he took the initiative to do that. That's great. And I appreciate that more now than I did then. I bet. And when I was at the end of my college education, he said, why don't you come back and be an intern, be an RA in the dorm? And so I finished my bachelor's degree and went over there with the intent of staying for six months. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What year was that? That was 1984. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, that's that, okay. 
Uh, so you went back as an intern y- yes, to Bolton, that's right? Yeah. 1984. Yeah. All right. And then. Uh, you know, probably November that same fall, he called me into his office and said, what do you want to do with your life? And I just said, well, I'd like, I like what I do here. I mean, it's like a fish found water for the first time in their lives, you know? (laughs) And, and, you know, he said, would you stay Hmm. permanently? And I could have said on the spot, uh, sure, I'd love to. I said, I'll pray about it. And I came back one or two days later and said, I'll stay. And then that's what set off this, uh, you know, needing to learn German and, uh, you know, being at home there. Okay. But those seeds were planted in Bible school. It was never, never, uh, you know, uh, a hard adjustment. God put a love in my heart for the country, the people, the culture, the language. And, and most of all, sharing Christ with, with young people in Germany. Mm. Mm. They laughed at me. Oh, man, Kelly, I could write a book on things I said from the pulpit that were nonsense or hilarious. But, <laughs> you know, when you can laugh at yourself, it makes life a lot easier. Sure. Yeah. No, that's neat. How long did it take you to, to learn German well enough to, to preach and teach? Well, that's a good question. I went to language school for two months and uh, then came back in the fall of 85. Uh, I taught during Bible school in January of 86 uh, I had to go on an outreach because Charlie got sick. He sent me up to this outreach. I had two hours notice and went up there and they sent the secretary to translate. And then they, uh, I was supposed to preach the next morning in these Lutheran churches in Germany. Uh, there's this pulpit that is is set up in like in the, the yeah. pretty high elevated. Yeah. Know. And they said, we can't stand, you know, the secretary can't stand up there with you and translate. So you're going to have to do this on your own. There you so, go. <laughs> so, so she typed out my sermon in German. I basically read it. Okay. I, probably the congregation knew more of what I was saying than I did, but, <laughs> but that's how I started. And then I went back to Bodensdorf and the director said, fantastic, you can speak German. And from that point on, he did not allow any staff member to speak English with me. Oh, he just wow. said, you're only allowed to speak German with Peter. So it was good school. Yeah. Good school. For yeah. Me. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to go back a little bit, you know, something that you were, you were saying, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it for, uh, just for the benefit of the listeners. Um, you know, you mentioned how we we had both heard, mm. you know, listening to Major Thomas and and both of us being students, and maybe you had the same experience as me as a as a student in Torchbearers. You're hearing what's being taught, and you know this is good. Yes, but exactly why this is good, you know, why do you think it is? What What are your thoughts? Why do you think that believers can hear? you know, the, the message that Christ is your life and just, you know, and, and just agree because, I mean, you know, Christians don't usually disagree with this terminology. You know, yes. Christ lives in you, uh, you know, that he is your life. And, you know, we need to abide in him as he abides in us. Well, you know, of course, but why why is it do you think that Christians have such a hard time understanding that this is different from the way I've been living? Yeah. I, I, I know that was my problem for years. Yes, yeah. Well, I can relate, and I'm sure many do. I think that Bible school is a time of discovery, and the learning takes place once you leave. Yeah, and I, yeah, I can. We always need to remember that spiritual truth is not intellectually apprehended. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that we throw our mind out the door by any means. Right. But the Holy Spirit needs to enlighten our minds 
and, and give them revelation, not new revelation, just revealing what the scriptures already say at a deeper level. Hmm. The, the whole intellectual thing, I know in, in coming as a, as a student, I, I, I remember sitting in class. I, I distinctly remember sitting in class and where I was and having this thought toward the end of the year, this is really good stuff, but I don't know why it's so good. Yeah. They're talking about the same God and the same Jesus and reading from the same Bible. But something had happened intellectually. I had a, I had adopted a new terminology. Mm-hmm. Christ has to live in you and through right. you. And I can remember going to Bible college and teaching a, a, a high school youth mm-hmm. group this. And Daniel in the lion's den teaching Christ has to live in you and through you. And I can remember the, you know, the youth pastor's wife telling me how clear that was. And, you know, it, it went to my head a little bit, Yeah. but I, but I, you know, looking back, no, now I, I didn't know what I was saying. Right. There had to come a moment in my life when I, when I was really used up yeah. with, you know, I mean, really used up with mm-hmm. my effort and I'm done. You know, and it wasn't until then, and I, I often think of Hebrews uh, chapter 11 talking about Abram or Abraham, and, and, the, and the statement goes, and he was as good as dead. Mm. And, you know, it was, yes. it, was, uh, it was at that point that he could use this man to become the father of yeah. a nation. And I, I, I think some of us have to go kicking and screaming, and, and some of us, it's, it's more of a, I think I've, I've said before on the podcast, it's kind of a, a sweet uh, reality or something yeah, that you step into. Like a into. sunrise, yeah. not a lightning bolt. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And uh, But I, I appreciate that. I, I was just curious, you know, what sure. were your thoughts with that? Because, you know, there's, there's, there's just so many people that would look at, you know, as you, were, as you were talking earlier, I was just thinking about how many people have heard, how, you know, I, I, I get the opportunity to preach in, in other churches at times and, and often people will come up and talk about, and, and, and you can tell they're really excited about what they've heard, mm. but they'll say, you know, they, they don't know what they've heard. Mm. And, and, uh, you know, you, you, it, you can't, you can't make somebody understand that you can't teach that. And, you know, it, like you said, it has yeah. to be of the spirit. It has yeah. to be a revelation. And I, and I believe and, and and the Lord is faithful to bring mm. the individual that's seeking him yes, to will. that point where he's he's he or she are is done with himself. Yeah. And at that point yeah. something miraculous happens. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I think of Colossians two six, as you yeah. have therefore yeah, received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Amen. him. You know, we receive him by faith. Yeah. I can't save myself. We walk in him by faith. Yes. I can't live this life. Yes, yes. But uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, thanks for letting me take that detour. No problem. But it's just a, a thought that came as I'm listening to you. Now, um, okay, so you're on staff there. Eventually, you um, you become the director. But I I think it'd be really interesting for the listeners to hear how you and and, and Gabby got together. <laughs> um, I, I was at. I was on staff at Bodensville from 84 to 92. Mm-hmm. 92, uh, the Lord made it clear to the director and myself that I was to move on. There was not a crisis or anything, but we both had that sense. Mm. And uh, I then was invited by Charlie Fordham to come up to Raven, uh, excuse me, um, 
Thetis Island, Cape Henry Harbor, and I was there for six wonderful years. Oh, wow. During that time, the director at Bodensio suddenly passed away. Yeah. He was 59. And um, in 1998, Herb Brasher, who had become the next director of Bodensioff, invited me to come back. I had been on a year's leave of absence, and uh, he invited me to come back. Mm. And he, um, Herb is from Lubbock, Texas, yeah. so he doesn't like skiing. He knew that <sighs> I did, and so he said, would you lead the ski conference? It was over New Year's, and uh, I said, I'd, I'd be delighted to. Uh, so I, we rented a hut in the Austrian Alps, real tough assignment. <laughs> and, and I entered into this hut and this seven year old girl with too much energy and curly black hair came bounding down the stairs and said, hi, I'm Katerina. Uh, I have a brother, Christian, he's upstairs and mom's reading a book, but I don't have a dad because he died. Mm -hmm. And when she said that, I mean, my, I, I was speechless. I didn't know what to say, but yeah, I'm sure. that's Katerina. She's just... She tells it like it is. Well, I, I met her mother that, that week, and uh, Gabby's first husband had died of a brain tumor mm. two years earlier, and she was really coming out of that really dark valley and was there with the kids because Tauernhof uh, didn't have room for a single mom and kids, so they told her to write <laughs> to, to, to uh, call Bodensioff. Oh, wow. Yeah. And... Um, so she called and uh, she came and I saw her that week. And uh, to make a long story short, I, I mean, I had enough horse sense to know that this woman had been through tragedy. Mm. I felt very much attracted to her, but she didn't need me messing up her life. And mm. uh, so we, we never dated anything like that. The kids invited me to their birthdays parties. I didn't go because I didn't want to give them false hopes, but we would see each other at this conference because I knew, well, she was a trained ski instructor oh, really? and I knew it was good for her. It was good for the conference, good for kids. And I just enjoyed being around her. And after about two years of this, I, uh, I said, Lord, it would be wonderful to, to marry Gabby. And all I can tell you was that in my conscience, I sensed no. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'd been down that road a few times. Mm. Uh, I was over 40 at the time and, um, uh, I, I, that was the lesson that needed to be learned to mm. accept a no from God, even though you feel the opposite, mm. very important for me. Mm. And in, then in the ensuing few years, I became principal of the Bible school. The kids were getting older and, uh, three years after that prayer, uh, Gabby appeared at Bodensioff. She was staying in a staff member's apartment with the kids on vacation. I happened to be there. And I just started talking, and it was nice. I didn't feel this like I was doing something wrong. Okay. And honestly, Kelly, I really do believe that if, if we walk with a clean conscience before the Lord, we'll be able to sense the Spirit mm. either confirming something or convicting mm. something. Big lesson. And so anyway, I you know... I thought, this is really nice. And so I said, Lord, you know, what What should I do? And I went to town enough to teach. Gabby went on vacation with the kids. And uh, I have a Bible reading plan that I learned from Dr. Hunter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, years ago. And one of the chapters was 
was uh, Judges 18. And this guy goes to the priest, says, please go ask the Lord, what should I do? And the priest comes back and says in verse 6, go in peace. The way in which you're going has the Lord's approval. Did I make base the decision on that one verse? No, but it was one green light of three green lights that I needed okay. uh, before we really um, tied the knot. So it was soon after that that uh, we got engaged and we got married in 2004. The kids were 11 and 13, so I became a father and a husband on one day, <laughs> you know. Uh, Mark Thomas, who was the director at Cape and Ray, was at the wedding, and he said, you know, we were watching you at your reception. We weren't sure if you were going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> Hans-Peter Royer said, well, praise God, Peter got married one less problem in Torchbearers. <laughs> and, you know, the, the amazing thing was that, you know, I, I was really frustrated with that side of my life. And mm. Major wrote me a letter. I, I said, I'm not getting married. I've blown it so often in that part of my life. And Major wrote me a letter and said, listen, he said, uh, you know, I told him I'm not getting married. And he said, it's none of your business to dictate to the Lord what he's supposed to do with your life. That sounds like uh, major. <laughs> he says, the best thing for you would be to get married. Just thank the Lord Jesus for the wife that he has for mm -hmm. you. And that came true. And in 2005, Gabby came to staff conference and a friend of mine took a picture. I didn't know it at the time. And we were uh, kneeling by Major Thomas. He was in a wheelchair. And I said, Major Thomas, you're right. Here's Gabby. And so it finished the story with him. It was very special for me. That is. And for her. Well, that and I know that really all of Torchbearers was excited. I remember, <laughs> I remember the event uh, because it was, you know, it's a, it's a really special yeah. story. Yeah. And, um, you know, I remember, I think the first staff conference I went to, you weren't married yet. Mm. The next one, you know, four years later, you're married and have a family. Yeah. And I yeah. just thought how, how neat this is, yeah. you know, the, how, you know, how, how you know, just there's, we can, we, we just can't fathom, mm. you know, what the Lord what the Lord can do. And yeah. I guess really that's his goodness to us. That's right. Because I don't think we could handle <laughs> You know, really grasping what he can do. That's right. Um, so, okay. So now you, you got married in 2004. Yeah. And uh, you're, um, so now you have a son and a daughter. And how old are they now? Uh, they're 20, they're 30. Katarina is 30. Christian's 28. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. They're both married and uh, we're just delighted. And Gabby, for those of you who don't know her, I have yet to see her go anywhere without a smile on her face. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's just really, she's fun to be around and, uh, yeah. and, and she's always so open and, yeah. uh, she's, she's a really, uh, real special lady. Mm -hmm. And so that's, uh, that's, that's a neat story. Now, uh, how many years have you been the director at Bolton Seahoff? I became the director in the summer of 2014. Okay. 2014 in the summer. And then Boy, it wasn't, man, not too much longer. And you, you, then you had the responsibility of general director. That's right. Wow. Okay. What's it been like being the general director, you know, to go from being a student, yeah. you know, to, you know, down the road, becoming the, the general director. Yeah. What's, what, you know, what's that been like? Oh my. You know, only God writes a story like that. Mm. And, um. By the time you reach that point, you know, I, I had no 
desire to fill that position. I never coveted it because I had been around leaders long enough to know to see see the kind of things that they face and can go wrong. And when somebody suggested that I, uh, you know, make myself available for that role, I just, um, it was like this wet blanket of fear came over me. Mm. And yet it was coupled with this conviction, Peter, this is my appointment for you. Mm. And it's hard to explain, but it, because it sounds so contradictory, and um, you know, it's a, it's it's a it's a vote among the Torchbear Fellowship. Right. It's a unanimous vote. Uh, my board, you know, wh- what board would accept that? You know, I'd like to stay here as director and mm-hmm. keep the pay package and where I live. I just want to work less for you. I yeah, mean, who wow. does that? And, right. But my board is so supportive and so godly. I thought that would be a roadblock, but they said, they say to me, actually, because you don't want to do it is the very th- reason mm. why you think we should mm. or why we think you should. And mm. so that's how it happened. And uh, it's, again, nothing that I've coveted, nothing that I've um, deserved. I kind of feel like my life is on overtime, you know, in a, in a hockey game. And uh, last last shot wins. Wow. So you're, you're pretty careful. Well, I know that, um, you know, th- th- there's been... Uh, really nothing but encouragement that I've heard, you know, from, cause you know, the, the six years that I was away, I was on the board here, but mm-hmm. I wasn't nearly as involved as I had been. And I was, I would just ask. And everybody that I would ask was really encouraged with your leadership because it was, uh, it, there, there was a humility to it. There was a, a desire to, to hear from others, to include others, to consider others mm-hmm. and not, uh, and, and I, I see how that's been really, you know, the, the Lord just seems to have a certain way of using, mm-hmm. you know, you think back to major Thomas and the sure. way, you know, the, his personality and the way he did things. Yep. And, uh, and, and that was necessary yes. for that time. And, uh, and it was impactful. Chris, you know, Chris coming in, uh, completely different from his father, yes. but the, but the Lord using him mm-hmm. and, and, as you know, with his, with his gifting, his personality. And, and it seems like now, you know, you you can just see, you know, somebody that having the, the, the six years away, really watching torchbearers from the outside, Mm. seeing that, okay, now here comes the next general director, completely different from the first two, Mm. but obvious that this is God's man Mm. because of, you know, just how he's being used. And so I've been really encouraged, you know, mm. with that. And, and, you know, you know, alumni that are interested in those kind of things, you know, praise the Lord. You know, he's, he's faithful within the ministry of torchbearers mm. and he's, he continues on. And, mm. and I'm, I am, um, I, and I appreciate, um, appreciate your heart and, in, 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 in your leadership. You know, it's, it's a heart for Jesus. It's a heart for, and that shows because I think if you're, if you're living the life of Christ, your life is going to be lived about others. Mm. because that is his yes. life. And, uh, and that certainly shows in, in how you are, how you relate to others, how you're, how you're wanting them the, to, to, um, to lead the ministry. So I appreciate that. Uh, being the general director. Okay. What's it, what's it been like? How does that work being general director of torchbearers and director at Bolton Seahoff? How, yeah. how, how has that worked? What? Well, you know, the general director role took, took place very quickly. There, there was about a six-month gap in there. So uh, I, 
I had, I really didn't have time to, you know, talk to the staff a lot, talk to the board a lot, but, um, I knew that they were going to bear a burden with me because if I was going to take that role, it was just too soon for me to give up and too quick for me to give up that role at Bodenziov. Mm. Plus it's my family. It's these guys I've walked in the trenches with these guys, some of them for 20 years or more. And mm. so I have a deep love and respect sure. for them. So eventually, you know, especially when the second term you know, came up, I went to my board and I said, you know, I can't work at the pace that I have for the last four years. I need to give up more responsibility here. And they were more than happy to accommodate that. So I have guys mm. on staff who have been there in leadership positions for 20 years. They're in their 40s. There's another group in their 30s. And these guys are are more capable than I am. And they're able to take the ball now. Wow. So that's a great blessing. And plus, um, I, you know, I just need to say something about my style. Uh, my style is out of need. It's not strategic. Okay. I, just, I just need a lot of people around me who know more than I do. Okay. And I mentioned the, the executive council, really the international board of torchbearers. These guys are not a rubber stamp. These guys mm. are, they have a deep love and respect for me and for one another. And yet... They'll call a spade a spade with me in a loving way, and you need that with a board mm. because the, the, the more responsibility you have, the less people around you that are going to speak into your life. So I know Satish John said to me early on, he said, Peter, you know, I'm going to speak my mind, but always know it's for the good of the ministry and that I love you. Mm. So that's the kind of culture that we have. And um, it, again, it's not anything strategic uh, from my side, it's just born out of my own need. Mm. And uh, that would hold true also at Bodensiov. So I'm, I'm trying to give up more responsibility at the center so that I can give myself more to torchbearers as much as I can now. And the personal meeting, especially in these past 18 months, has become a need for me to be out. Okay, yeah. And uh, I, I think, you know, when you look at a leader and you look at his successor, your view of what the successor should be is, um, is formed by the predecessor. But we need to be careful with that because mm. as you so rightly put it, there's a need for a pioneer. There's a need for a pastor like Chris. Mm. And I don't know what I bring to the table yet, but uh, you know, you, you're there at that time for a specific need in this epic. So... You don't have to try and be something you're not. You don't have to. Um, oh, you don't have to copy anybody. Mm. You just trust the Lord has me here mm. as I am, mm. with with all of my strengths and my weaknesses for this epic. Right. And then you depend upon Christ. And as I've said, I like to have people around me that know more than I do. And uh, you put your your hand to the plow and don't look back. Well, you mentioned it today in one of the uh, one of the sessions. You know, uh, uh, um, quoting from Hebrews thirteen. Yes, you know, to, to That's remember right. those who have led you and imitate yep. their, faith. their faith. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, I appreciated that too because you know so often we do see that where people will imitate you know somebody they'll, they'll imitate a style. Yes, uh, you know I've seen it where they'll imitate how somebody talks, even sure. how somebody dresses. Yeah, and you know that's but it's really i mean when you when you look at these when you look at these godly men these people who have been of impact in our life they're i remember 
you know, I remember listening to the, to one man who was a mentor of mine, listening to him preach. And I can, and I, and I was sitting there saying, Oh, father, I want to, I, I want to be like that. And, and the Lord just, you know, one of those moments where he clearly speaks yes. in your heart and just says, he has nothing, he has no more of me than you do. Mm. You know, yeah. now stop, you know, stop trying to figure this out and how you can be like him and just let me be who I am. Yes. And, uh, you know, that was, that was really a freeing mm. moment. Yeah. And so, so tell us about torchbearers here with the yeah. time that we have left, what, what's going on in torchbearers? What are some things that people can be praying about? You know, we're going through the whole COVID thing and that's, yeah. and that's affecting some of the centers yes. in, in, in a, in a negative way. Yeah. Uh, what, you know, what would you like to share with that? Well, you know, in a wonderful way, uh, in these past 18 months, it's, it's, it's different at each center, but the Lord has sustained, uh, the works around the world in a wonderful way. Every center sends me a financial report uh, once a year and just looking at that and praising God as to how not only he has supplied this for the centers, and, and this is one of my core values, the centers are helping other centers. So it's like mm. at the end of Acts chapter 2, mm. uh, they're sharing resources with one another. And I think that that's what the body of Christ should be doing. They're even in this COVID time, they're not hoarding it. Hmm. They're not, they are reaching out to their brothers and sisters in, in torchbearers and giving. That hmm. warms my heart. Oh, praise the Lord. For somebody like me who's, uh, you know, technically challenged, you know, they've had to, at Bordensdorf, they've had to, you know, teach an old dog new tricks. And so I appreciate the technology that we have to make use of it as a means that God can use in this time. Right. And he's obviously doing that. Uh, and so uh, I look to others in the fellowship, yourself included, who are doing things like this podcast that I think are new means for this time. Mm. And I like that. Um, you know, I, as I said this morning in the session, there's a lot of goodwill and generosity from people in, who, who know torchbearers. And, and there are resources there, there are properties there that people want to give to the ministry, which is fantastic. And yet my, in my heart of hearts, what we really need are, are, is, is a generation of men and women who know Christ as their life and who know that not just in exposition but in experience. And as you've heard me say a couple of times this, this week, who are ready to take their coffee, coffin with them. Yeah. As I've said that the missionaries before World War II, they went on a boat and some of them took their coffin mm. with them to their place of service because they knew they were going to be there uh, long term. Wow. And actually, I see that. I, I see mm. that in, in this young generation that is at our schools now. And probably uh, they have... They have seen that the hope uh, does not lie in, in, in this what this world has to offer. There's got to be more than that. Mm. And I think that's generating this attitude of, and this is generally even non Christian, non-Christian, we want to live for something bigger than ourselves. It's not, not any longer about profit, it's about purpose. Mm. And, and I think that's very positive. So I want to listen to the young people. Uh, I, want to, I want to walk with them. I'm very interested. Mm. It's interesting that you, you, you know, you bring that up while I was waiting for you to come. We're in the office recording this. And when I was waiting for you, I was standing into the, the hall and our secretaries on the bulletin board have placed, uh, pictures and, and, uh, 
newsletters of missionaries, alumni that are now missionaries. Hmm. And I, I thought how, and, and the, the caption, pray for our alumni who are preaching the gospel Amen. around the world. Yep. And I thought, oh man. And I started to look at these faces, you know, the faces that I know and, and, and what we've had some of them on, on the podcast and, yeah. you know, it really is an exciting thing. And I agree with you. This it's something that I've noticed the last oh, maybe 10 so years that the students that are coming and, and I get to speak in some of the other torchbearer centers too. There, there is a, a seriousness. There is mm. a desire for something more than the same old, same old. Yeah, and that's exciting. Yes, it you is. You know, and, and they're to, and they really gravitate. That's that's something else that's really exciting to to see is how they gravitate toward the, the you know the truth toward mm. the word, and they they want to they want to talk with you about it. They want to know this. They have yes. really good questions. Yes. And uh, I'm encouraged, you know, you know, there's so many believers that I think right now with, with what's going on with COVID around the world that are really discouraged. Yes. And, uh, you know, they're thinking, you know, I hear a lot of things too, like, well, maybe the Lord's, maybe he's coming, maybe. And it's more like a, I hope he's coming so we can get out of this mess it, more than, yeah. I, you know, in that excitement of, you know, of anticipation that Jesus may be coming. We should be that way all the time. But really... You know, we talked about it a little bit before we started to record that I'm starting to see that, you know, this this whole mess that we're going through. And we got a lot of people that are listening to this that are going through some seriously mm, hard yeah. times. You know, we have we have brothers and sisters uh, who are torchbearers in New Zealand and in Australia and and, and, and the lockdowns there are so severe mm. um, and other parts of the world, too. And but I'm starting to see. Well, this is this is good for us. Yes, it is. You know, where we are, we're we're dropping the pretense, and we're really dealing with with Jesus. Yes. What does it mean for Christ to be my life? Yes. And what really is important? Mm. You know, in in this in, in this time, and uh, so you know, just asking you, what should we be praying? I think that's what we need to be praying about. You know, encouraging. Those that are listening, let's let's pray for each other and what we're going through mm. with with all of this. No matter where you are on all the arguments about it, mm. but to be praying for each other that we be fixed on Jesus, yeah. and 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 that that God be glorified, yes. that 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 Christ be seen, that people come to know Jesus. I mean, this is a wonderful time yes, for for a spiritual awakening because people are people are hurting. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's so many reports coming out of, of the depression that's, that's out there now. And well, this is, this is a really interesting time to be alive. Yeah. So, um, well, uh, is there anything else that you would like to let the listener know of regards to, you know, any kind of prayer needs or, or anything that's going on in Torchbearers? Well, you know, I, I say to people, it's the order is people program property hmm. in that order. So people come first. And, and so two of my prayers have been, Lord, send workers into this small part of the harvest called torchbearers. Uh, you know, we, every generation just needs to serve their generation like David did his, as it says mm. in the book of Acts. Mm. 
that's my prayer. And also this wonderful prayer in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 and verse 17 and 18, I'm praying that the Lord would give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ, that we would know him deeply mm. and that he would have that freedom to work through our lives in any way he wants. Mm. And um, that, that's the greatest need in torch bears. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Well, if uh, anybody would like to get in touch with you, yeah. uh, how, how would they do that? Well, you can go on the, probably go on to the Bodensielf website. Okay. You know, I, I, there's contact information on Torchbears International, but uh, send a, an email to the office at Bodensielf and uh, that will get to me. Okay. No question. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Peter, thanks so much for just giving me some time like this. I, I know you're uh, in, unbelievably busy and, yeah. and having all these sessions to teach and to give us this time. I, I really appreciate it. And for the listener, uh, just so you know that Peter's also going to be giving a devotion that we will have uh, posted as another one of our podcasts. So we're going to finish this one up and yes. let him let him breathe a few minutes and then, and then he'll be um, recording a devotion too. So uh, Peter, thank you so much. And something that we've started here as a tradition at the end of our podcast as a sign off is we want to remind the listener to be fixed on Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the His Hill podcast hosted by my husband, Kelly Doherty. Today's guest has been Peter Reed, the general director of Torchbearers. We thank the Lord for he and Gabby and their ministry to all of us. As a reminder, there are applications being accepted for summer staff positions. Go to the website for more information on that. Be praying for our students. The semester ends next week. Pray that they continue to grow in Christ as they return home or in their travels. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the His Hill Podcast. And this is Arlene Doherty, wife of the host. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. <laughs>